Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we speak to higher education thought leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of this industry and pick their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, Evolution Editor-in-Chief and Illumination host Amrit Alawalia is joined by Carrie Phillips, Chief Communications and Marketing Officer for University of Arkansas at Little Rock. The two discuss why higher ed marketers are exploring personalization as part of their digital strategy and reflect on how building a personalization framework might be easier than folks think. Carrie, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here and excited for today's conversation. Absolutely. Well, we're talking uh, personalization, marketing in the 21st century for higher education. Let's start off right at the top. Why are so many higher education marketers exploring how to make personalization part of their digital strategy? I think that's a great question. And I think it goes back to that's the expectation. And we live in what we call sometimes that Amazon world now that everyone expects personalization and everything. You know, I have a a friend whose daughter is in high school and her prom dress um, mailer was personalized. And so I think there's just that expectation that students are looking for their name, their information, their interest areas in every single thing that we do, whether that's on our website, whether that's in a print piece, they want to feel like this was catered and developed just for them. And so that's really where it comes from. Um, I've recently transitioned into a new role at a new university, and it's even actually already expanded my thinking on this, because I also think we're seeing the same thing in the advancement side of the house when we talk about our donors and our major um, supporters of the university. They also expect the same thing. They want to understand how their gift matters, what things have the biggest impact. And so I think bottom line is personalization makes everybody feel valued, makes everyone feel important, and as though they matter. And so I would venture to say that if we're thinking about our institution's brand and our institution brand pillars, those concepts are key to just about every university brand and brand pillar. And so I think personalization is really a a critical tactic that helps us live out our brand. 100%. So obviously, like when we talk about personalization, I think there's a lot in well, especially in the higher ed space that fo- that's kind of lives in like a murky middle world. I'm curious as to your thoughts. I mean, what are some of the most common misconceptions that leaders have around digital personalization in higher ed marketing? I think the biggest one is that you have to have it all figured out. And I think there's this expectation that you have to have a ton of experience with it. You have to have a ton of technology to be able to do this work. Um, when I started at a prior institution, we wanted to do pretty heavy print personalization. We didn't have a CRM. We didn't have a fancy way to do all of this. What we had is an Excel spreadsheet and sheer grit and determination. And so the way we did that is started small. Um, And I think it sounds a lot scarier than what it has to be, but we started with just a few kind of couple of key things. And then we learned kind of how the process worked, how we could use it more effectively, how we could be more efficient. And then I think over time, we gained the confidence to do more and more. Um, But I think the big misconception is that it requires all of these peripheral things. And it really doesn't. It just takes a little creativity and a little elbow grease and the willingness to figure it out. Absolutely. Now, at Arkansas Tech, 
you and your team leveraged data to deliver more personalized experience for first-generation students that were considering enrolling. Could you talk a little bit more about that initiative and more importantly, like how that work can be scaled across the website? Absolutely. So there were kind of three parts to that. The first is that we knew our students were first generation and that they needed that support. And so the very first thing we did is we had a dean's message. And so we did focus groups and figured out that these students had no idea who the dean was or what a dean was <laughs> at their college. Um, and so we used this as an opportunity to introduce that. And so, you know, instead of the dean being in this really uh, you know, suit and tie, we had the deans come in and we shot each of them, their photos in a very casual um, attire. And then we had a message that went with each dean. And so when we sent this message out to the students, we did it via a postcard. We sent the postcard that had their dean's picture and the student's name on it. And it just explained, hey, I'm here at the end of the day to be your advocate. If there are things you need help with, that's what I'm here to do. And that was a huge overwhelming success because it provided some institutional insight of what a dean was, but it also did it in a way that wasn't intimidating or approachable. Um, second, we took the steps that students needed to complete to finish their um, admission and enrollment process and put that in a customized piece for them. And that was really important because if you look at the enrollment funnel that schools have, it can be long and scary. And if you have a lot of students who don't understand it, that is too long and scary. And so we tried to give them the, the pieces of the tools that they needed for their next steps and provide that in kind of bite-sized pieces. And I think the third that we did that was really geared at first-generation students, and probably the one I'm the most proud of, was a financial aid piece. And so we know that financial aid can be incredibly overwhelming, incredibly difficult to follow, and we had to do better by those students. So we created a piece that had their financial information in it. So if they had done and the FAFSA, they had completed that, it didn't put that they needed to complete the FAFSA. Instead, it talked about the benefits that they would get because they had completed that FAFSA. And then we had a tear-off piece that pulled out their uh, currently available award options and so that they could then be able to tear that side piece off and go and talk to financial aid. And what we saw was pretty incredible. It changed the messaging. And so financial aid used to just be getting tons and tons of calls. And they had to start at the beginning of what is financial aid and then go all the way through the student process. And instead, it let the financial aid person start with more specific intentional targeted questions because this print piece had solved some of these other questions that the student had. And so it dropped the total call times and it allowed financial aid to solve um, and be able to support more students. And so I think that was a huge piece. In terms of scaling all of this on the website, I think it, it works very similarly. If we know where students are, we know what they're doing. So we can use personalization to be able to provide the next steps, the needed information that they need in real time, instead of having to supply every single piece of data that they may need. Because we can you know, tie that in in a lot of, of unique ways, we can give them bite-sized information, right uh, timed information, so that we're helping move students across that, that funnel so that we, at the end of the day, get those students in to a university and have that life-changing experience. You know what's interesting is as you kind of walk through how you're executing personalization, how you're thinking about personalization in marketing, it's all coming back to the idea of student centricity. Like this isn't 
you know, it's not totally foreign from what the rest of the institution is trying to do. It's taking those philosophies and it's taking those ideas and applying them to a part of the institution that tends not to get a lot of focus. Um, so when you think about sort of the, the role of marketing, I mean, what role does marketing play in helping to establish, call it a reputation, call it a feeling of the student centricity that a learner can expect to receive once they've actually enrolled? I think marketing has a huge role to play in that. You know, part of our job specifically is we are that kind of marketing more than any other area, I think, sees the holistic view of campus. And so I think they understand where are the moments that that things go well and where are the moments that things can be improved and probably understand that more than many other groups just because of their their role of working with everyone across the institution. And so that's where I think things like this come into play is marketing can say, hey, this is going to help everybody and this is important for everybody. And so I think that that's the key moment that we have as the marketing department to help create that change across campus. Absolutely. And, you know, there's this is a, a theme that's come up in, in a few conversations I've had with higher ed marketers is around sort of the roles, the responsibilities of marketing um, as part of sort of the strategic focus of the institution. So like marketing as a, as a practice in higher education, there's always been marketers in higher education, but it seems like we're approaching a new era around how higher education strategy and how higher education leaders think about marketing. Are you experiencing that as well? Very much so. So part of my dissertation work looked at the marketing role and what is the real role of the marketing office. And one of the things that I found that I think absolutely exists is that marketing has to more than anybody else be that change agent across campus. Um, and I think that's part of what we're seeing is that they understand the culture, they understand the institution, and they understand the brand. And so marketing serves as this kind of this starter to get everybody across the university thinking in the same way and thinking in the same tones and the same messages that I don't think that fully existed before, that there was this concentrated person or effort thinking about that work. And I think there is now. That's so interesting because basically you're talking about a seamless experience at this point. Absolutely. So when it comes down to sort of the, I guess, the the different models, right? You have, in some instances, each department having its own marketing responsibilities. And then in other instances, a centralized marketing unit that kind of oversees institution-wide marketing. What are some of the pros and the cons to that centralized model versus the decentralized model? You know, I think culture of the institution is going to dictate which of those works best. I've worked in both. I don't think that there's a right or wrong, um, but I think where it comes down to is, is are the goals and the objectives clearly laid out? Um, and then at the end of the day, are we making it easy? So I'm going to use an analogy here, but I think it works. To me, marketing and communications is and getting the entire campus on board is a lot like recycling. Everybody says, oh, recycling is a good thing. We need to be doing this. The same thing about marketing and communications. Oh, it's a good thing. We all need to be collaborating and working together. However, where recycling gets tough and difficult is having to separate the cups and the glass from the bottles and the cans and the plastic and the paper and different things go out on different days and have to be handled in different methods. It gets too hard. And then people just chunk it all in the trash. 
-hmm. I think marketing sometimes does the same thing. If we make it too hard for people across campus to be part of that, then people just give up and do their own thing. I think, you know, if you look at sometimes we have brand books that are hundreds of pages that are in jargon that maybe the average user doesn't understand. I think that's when we lose the ability to get everybody on board is because we've made it so difficult that it's just not worth it. That's super interesting. One thing I'm, I'm curious about as well, because like in higher education, there, especially in, in, in the administrative ranks of post-secondary institutions, leaders tend to have sort of always come through uh, always come through higher education. They tend to have been sort of career higher education folks. Your background is, is you know, you were, you were in TV news um, and then you went over to Arkansas Tech. Now you're, at, now you're at the University of Arkansas. I'm curious what brought you to higher education? Absolutely. So both at University of Arkansas at Little Rock and in Arkansas Tech, they have a, a mission of access. And I think that's very much what I was drawn to um, working in television, I loved the idea of getting to be part of the community and getting to do work that matters. I felt from my own experience that I wanted to do more of that. And that's kind of what drew me toward higher education is this ability to do work that changed the trajectory of people's lives. Um, and through marketing, I see our role as helping people understand what this university experience is going to be. And then helping them understand, is that going to be a fit for who they are? Um, and that's, I think, part of what I was drawn to is the, if we can do that and do that well, we are changing people's lives significantly. Um, you know, my grandfather had a middle school education. And so my he was very determined that my dad would graduate from college. And my dad did that. And I look at how that changed the life of our family. Um that wouldn't have been happened, wouldn't have been possible had my dad not attended a university. And so I feel this strong sense that education is a transformative experience. And so marketing really supports that in helping students find an institution that's going to fit with who they are so they can be the best version of themselves. Absolutely. And, and I know you would never toot your own horn, but you also recently uh, completed your doctoral program in higher education administration from Texas Tech. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yes, I did. Um, you know, one of those those lifelong things that I, I set out to do and what a rewarding opportunity and had a great experience there. Unbelievable. So I, I know I promised a discussion on, on higher education, personalization and higher ed marketing. I'm very distracted. I apologize. We're going to bring it back to personalization okay. now. Um, because the point you were making earlier was that you know, one of the great misconceptions is the idea that marketers have to have every piece of their personalization strategy figured out. They have to have every aspect of how they're going to personalize locked in before they start. How can higher education marketers approach something that can be as complicated as personalization with a keep it simple approach? Like, and I'm not going to say the full acronym, we'll go KIS, um, especially because, you know, we, we know the capacity that personalization has to be, you know, really overwhelming, really over, uh, can be really, really complex. I think the thing, the best way to approach it is, is first go back to the basics. What is the goal that it's trying to do? Is it engaging prospective students? Is it retaining current students? Is it connecting with donors? Because if you start there, and it can be all of those things, but if it starts there, 
Then you're looking at what opportunities exist on a website for that, what opportunities exist in print pieces, but you're doing it in an intentional way. Um, I think part of the temptation is you're absolutely right. You can do so much with personalization that there's an, a, a temptation, if you will, to try to do it all. And I think that's fine, but I think start with the things that are most important to the goals that your institution has and then build on that. So as you kind of figure out a couple of those options, then it's fine to add in some other things and add in some additional layers and additional complexity. But by then you've also figured out the capacity of what it takes of your team. You figured out some of the the bumps and the kinks that you may have to work through along the way. So I think the first place to start is with the goals and then go from there and build on as you get more comfortable with it. Absolutely. So, you know, for leaders who are starting to become familiar with personalization as marketers across the higher ed space start to explore how to bring personalization onto their own websites, what are three tips or three approaches that a leader can put into place to get started in the personalization space? I think that's great. I think first is find someone that you trust to work with. Um, And I know that sounds a little cliche, but whether that is you're wanting to do this on a website, you're wanting to do this in a print piece, find someone who's got experience doing this that can be that partner with you because it needs to be a partnership. They may be able to help you avoid some pitfalls. A partner may be able to help you think through some logistics of how to set up the data files. Um, And if you're working with someone that you trust, you can have those candid back and forth conversations. This should be a, it should be that clear partnership. I think the second thing is build in time to test. Um, When you're doing personalization in print or on web, I think it's important to make sure that you have time in the, the pipeline of when you're needing to deploy this to make sure it's working as intended. Um, that first go round always took longer than I thought it would. And so I would, you know, give yourself a few extra weeks on that. And I think that's important because when you're building that in, you may take longer on the front end, but it's time well spent if you get some of those, those kinks ironed out. And then when you deploy that, you feel much more confident that it's doing what you want and how you want it. So I think that testing time, you know, we have such pressure, I think, a lot of times to like get something. Oh, let's get it live. Let's get it published. Let's go for it. But I think this is one of those moments where it's like, whoa, let's let's double, triple check this to make sure it's working. Um, And then I would say my third tip is don't be afraid of the creativity. You know, once you start to kind of get your feet wet in this, you start to see all of these other opportunities. And I think that's when some of the best ideas have happened has been when we've been brainstorming as a team and somebody says, hmm, well, what if, or why can't we? And those have been some of the best moments of really getting out of that, that box of being stuck and using personalization in a pretty creative, unique, innovative way. But you've got to be open to those conversations. Um, and I, I think that's the, the third piece of advice is don't be afraid to say, well, what if? Absolutely. Well, Carrie, I mean, that pretty much does it on my end. Is there anything you'd like to add about making personalization part of your marketing mix uh, for a modern higher ed marketer? You know, I think it's just one of those things that it, it's becoming table stakes. It's becoming part of that expectation mm-hmm. that we all have to figure it out and, and make sure that we're doing that. So I think the one piece of, of counsel that I would, would add or would close with is, you know, the, is don't be afraid of it. Try, start small. Remember what are the goals of what you're trying to achieve. And then I want to hear your great ideas. So if somebody does something great, I'd love to hear it because I think we can all benefit from learning and working on this together. 
Absolutely. So before I let you go, Carrie, um, this year's high ed web conference is going to be in Little Rock. It um, is. It is. There are going to be marketers from across across the United States, across Canada, coming to Little Rock for, I think, about a, a week in October. Uh, we've started asking folks this at the end of every podcast episode, so I'm going to ask you the question as well. Okay. If folks are in Little Rock, what's one restaurant they need to try? Okay, great question. Um, so I would say Flying Fish is a great option. It's in downtown, so it's walkable to where the conference is going to be. Um, great local restaurant, definitely recommend that. As a, as a good choice. Um, another one in downtown that I'm particularly fond of is Copper Grill, and they have um, some macaroni and cheese um, that are fried. Mm. You dip them yep. in like a raspberry sauce. So good. Um, but there's a lot of great, a lot of great local food scene in Little Rock. Awesome. Carrie, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank your time. you. All righty. You have a good one. Thank you again. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, Modern Campus supports every corner of the modern institution, from continuing and workforce education, to student affairs, to the registrar's office, to marketing and IT. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of the modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.